Uninvisible is a support podcast that provides information, ideas, suggestions, and experiences that deal squarely with medical issues that present unique advocacy issues for individuals. We do not provide medical advice of any kind. We do provide support, concepts, ideas, discussions, and information that you can use to make sure that you are being heard and that your concerns are being addressed. Please consult with your physician for any medical issue that you are facing, but we will be here for you along your journey. We welcome all comments about our episodes and, of course, the correction of any errors. Information and comments that you send to us are governed by our Terms of Service and Privacy Policy, which are available on our website located at www.uninvisiblepod.com. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily the opinion of Uninvisible or the show sponsors. Most of all, we welcome your stories and experiences to share with our community because without you, this community and the benefit it offers all of us would not exist. Any advertising that you may hear is accepted without regard to our editorial content. Of course, in the event that you are having a medical emergency of any kind, consult your physician or emergency services. Welcome to Uninvisible. I'm your host, Lauren Friedman. And I'm here with my guests to bring you info, insights, and inspiration for coping with, diagnosing, and treating invisible illness. We're here oversharing, so you don't have to struggle with invisibility anymore. This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Tonic Vibes and Ember Wave. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We are here with Dr. Ginny Orenstein, who I'm so excited to have on the show. Welcome, Dr. Ginny. Hi. (laughs) So we want to specify, um, Dr. Orenstein is a doctor of music, Mm -hmm. um, hence the the doctor before her name. Um, But she has been through a number of health challenges, both herself and her husband, and they've healed themselves using medical medium protocols. So she's going to tell us all about that today. So welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful. (laughs) Oh, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so glad we were able to do this. And the nice thing is that we're both in LA. Mm -hmm. So we were able to connect because of social media and just getting in touch and making it happen. So absolutely. I love how that it's very, it's all kismet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So why don't we just dive straight into it? And if you could tell us how you first realized you were sick, um, when and how it all sort of manifested for you and for your hubby. So when I first got sick, I had my first flare-up in 2003. Okay. I was in college, and I didn't even know it was a flare-up. Mm. So I had a lot of stress during that time. My dad was really sick with Parkinson's, mm. um, and my best friend also was pretty much diagnosed with stomach cancer. Oh, so wow. She, she died pretty su- suddenly. Oh, wow. So, um, and then like I had a me too experience in college and I was just like immersed myself into my work. Mm -hmm. So I was barely sleeping. I wasn't taking care of myself at all. And so, um, so when I had my first flare up, the doctors just called it caustic chondritis, which is just Mm -hmm. a fancy medical term for chest pain. Right. And so after that point, you know, my dad passed away, my best friend passed away. I started getting these really weird symptoms. Mm. And they would refer me to a neurologist, to different specialists, and they would do all these testing and they're like, We don't know what's wrong with you. Right. It's just caustic chondritis. We're just gonna give you prednisone and flexorol oh, and <laughs> they really wanted to prescribe you, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. And um 
you know, uh, with the chronic migraines, they gave me migraine medication for that. Mm. So it was frustrating. Yeah. Trying to figure out what was going on with me because I would have these recurring neurological symptoms or um, recurring chest pain. Mm. So it wasn't until 2012 I was finishing up my doctorate. It was a very stressful time. Yeah. Um, I had just put on my a drama musical I wrote okay. about my Me Too experience in college. So yeah. I was kind of like reliving it. Yeah. So that's it was not, like... That's not stressful at all. I know, right? <laughs> so it was like all these things that were just kind of triggering. Um, and, and so I started to get this chest pain um, and... Uh, at that time, I was also driving from Diamond Bar to Pepperdine, which oh, is a 120-mile drive. Every day? Yeah, back and wow. forth. That same week, studying for my written exams. Oh, man. Okay. So it was very stressful. This is so, proof of what stress does to your body. Absolutely. Stress and grief and how it all manifests. Yes. Whether or not these these symptoms were something that were dormant in your system, that that they made everything express itself in a physical way. In a physical way. Really interesting. And so uh, after I finished teaching over at Pepperdine, I had like a weekend off, finished my exams, and then suddenly this chest pain started to get worse and worse mm. and worse to the point where I couldn't lay down. I had this dry cough, oh, man. and I was in tears. I was crying. And my ex, my poor ex-husband at that time, you know, very supportive, of all of that mm. and he took me to the hospital and they found out I had pericarditis mm. and pleural effusion oh wow so which is basically fluid around the heart and fluid around the lungs mm. so they had to do a procedure to take out the fluid and I was there for two weeks wow they had every specialist infectious diseases rheumatology mm. you know neurology like every every um, specialist, and they took all this blood work. They they ran all this tests, and they came back and they said, "We don't know what's wrong with you." Gee, this isn't a story <laughs> we've heard before. Is it? <laughs> this is the thing with chronic illnesses, and especially because you've got more than one, right? Right. But that the thing is that you go through doctor after doctor after doctor, and people go, "Well, I know definitively what it is," or they go, "I have no idea." I mean, at least mm-hmm. at this point, they were saying we've got no idea. Yeah after having diagnosed you with something that you didn't have previously. Right. So they said, we think it's a viral infection. Okay. Which is fascinating because medical medium says that a lot of our chronic illnesses come from uh, a form of the Epstein-Barr virus. Yes. Or some kind of a viral infection. Mm -hmm. So they weren't far off. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, and had you had Epstein-Barr or mono? Had you had that? Never had it point? before. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, it could have been something else, too, that might have been there for years and years and you didn't know, you know? I, you know, I think it was passed down. I think my parents had it. Oh, wow. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely, I think I got it in utero mm. um, just because of how severe um, I was, like, in stage four of the EBV process wow. that Medical Medium describes. And so, after that 2012 episode, mm. my pericarditis started to get worse and worse. I would get recurring almost every other month. 
at that point. Wow. Okay. And Obamacare really saved me at this time. So fast forward. So that was 2012, 2013. I was living in Denver. So this is 10 years after you first started having symptoms. Yes. Yes. So like that's a long time to go undiagnosed. Yes, absolutely. But pretty typical. Yeah, it happens. And it's common. Yeah. Yeah. And so in 2013, I moved to Denver and uh, was very fortunate that my ex-husband's brother-in-law is a cardiologist. Oh, okay. And so he was like, you know, you should really meet my friend who's a rheumatologist. So he kind of hooked that up. Mm. So that was actually the first time that I saw a rheumatologist about my issues. Oh, interesting. Because I was starting to get joint pain. In addition to the pericardial I'm like, I'm, I, I mean, I know what you've got going on, but I'm sitting here going, I know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I talk to everyone in the chronic illness and invisible illness spheres. So it's yeah. like, to us, it's so obvious now, isn't yeah. it? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but. Right. Uh, but the struggle, the struggle's real. Uh, the struggle's real. And I think also there is, and I ask people about this a lot in the interviews, there's often a gendered, you know, um, sort of element there mm-hmm. that when you're a woman it takes twice as long yes to find out what's going on than if you're a man yeah um, either because you have male doctors and there's that sort of power dynamic mm-hmm. or because people just don't listen to us in the same way absolutely and I just think it's like guys it's 2019 mm-hmm. <laughs> but there you go yeah yeah so, so you're in Denver I was in Denver yeah um, but then at that point, my marriage was not doing so well. Mm. So I got, we got divorced mm. and I moved back to LA Okay. and I was about to like do more testing and treatments with that rheumatologist. Mm. Um, but then when I moved back out here, I got on Obamacare mm-hmm. and I got referred to a rheumatologist. I mean, it took time. Yeah. Um, cause I was still going in and out of the ER like wow. to the hospitals because of this thing. And they would just give me, here's 40 milligrams of prednisone. Do that for oh, one man. week. And then 20 milligrams the second week. And then, you know, hydrocodone and that kind wow. of stuff. So, And these are, <clears throat> like, for people who aren't familiar at this point, these are extremely strong medications with crazy side effects. Crazy side effects. So, I mean, it really reads into the way in the medical system here, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later on, but, you know, that you're often given medication that you go to the doctor and their doctors are taught to prescribe medication mm-hmm. when sometimes that's not necessarily the answer or there are other you know avenues to explore absolutely yeah so this so you were one of those statistics yes. very early on yep mm-hmm. yeah so uh 2014 i'm still struggling and it get my symptoms get worse because the grief from the divorce yeah. you know and everything else that keeps manifesting up yeah for me. Um, so then I met my current husband Mm -hmm. and he proposed to me in March, 2015. Okay. And then literally one month later, I saw a rheumatologist because it took some time for me to get there Mm. because the Obamacare kept losing me in the system. I mean, it was a mess, yeah. you know, dealing with insurance. Uh, well, and also the thing about Obamacare is that it's been wonderful for so many people, but certainly because it all happened very quickly, Yes, people fell through the cracks yes. in that way. Yes, yeah. And I was definitely one of those yeah. that kept falling through the cracks, even throughout my chemo treatment. Which is another thing yeah. to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I got diagnosed. He, the rheumatologist I saw, he clinically diagnosed me mm. just based on my medical history because my blood work still kept coming back negative. 
Okay, interesting. And this was negative for um, for autoimmune issues. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. For lupus and yeah. That's so rheumatoid weird. arthritis, all that stuff. Just right. kept coming back negative. The ANA and stuff like that. Mm. So then, um, so he clinically diagnosed me, and I got, and that was when I was in a really bad flare. Mm. He put me on 60 milligrams prednisone. Hi, prednisone. We missed you. <laughs> yeah. Man. Gabapentin. Oy. Okay. Which, one of the rare side effects of that is suicide ideation. Mm. So... And we should also mention, the side effects of these drugs, right? Mm-hmm. They don't affect everyone in the same way. Right. There are a lot of people who benefit from these drugs, but you happen to have the adverse reactions. Yes. Yeah. And I was, like, severely depressed. Yeah. And they put me on other medications like Imurin, Plaquenil. I was on that also at the same time. Colchicine was another one. Indomethacine. And so after he put me on those things and my my husband, um, or my fiancé really at that time. At the time, yeah. Was like, this is not like her. And so he called my doctor, and he's like, this is kind of weird. And then the doctor was like, oh, yeah, it's the gabapentin. Uh, Let's just take her off of it. If it were only that simple all the time, right? Right. Wow. So so his treatment was not uh, aggressive enough. Mm -hmm. I kept getting the symptoms. I would get lupus rash from the sun. Mm Mm-hmm. I would get these really painful mouth and nose ulcers. Mm. It's painful to eat. Yeah. Um, neurological issues, tremors, mm. um, migraines, fatigue, brain fog, lupus mm. fog, joint pain, like severe joint pain. And did he clinically diagnosed you? What did he clinically diagnose you with at this stage? Severe systemic lupus erythematosus. Even though your ANAs were still coming back negative, he was like, this is lupus. Yes. So he knew well enough yes. to know that this yeah. was definitely some form of lupus, right? Yeah, he was actually one of the doctors that like pioneered lupus. <laughs> wow, so lupus treatments and diagnosis. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. But it's interesting because his treatment with me was not aggressive enough. I kept mm. getting these reoccurring flares... And I would be more and more bedridden. Mm. And then um, I finally went to go see a, another doctor, another rheumatologist to get a second opinion. Because right. I was like, maybe it's not lupus. Maybe it's something else because nothing's working right now with this mm. treatment. So then I go and see her and, and she was like, okay, we'll do methotrexate. Okay. We'll start you on the infusions here in my office. And then she forgot to tell me to stop Imurin. So I almost died. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So and look, this is the kind of thing it's like for every doctor to memorize what the drug interactions is, is a lot of work, right? You know? Right. But also when people's lives are at risk. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. So six weeks into it. You were really sick. I was dying. Wow. I was starting to hear footsteps in my head. Mm. And, um, and I had this awful pain. Um like in my abdomen area and they did the blood work and then she was like freaking out because it was so low Mm. and then and then I kept having to do blood work that week and then she's like uh it's really really low now so she told me to go to the ER I went in and the doctor was like you know if you had come here any later you'd be dead so my my red blood cell count was at a one 
and my white blood cell count was at a two. For those who can't see my face, (laughs) I'm making a what face? That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So they immediately put me on blood transfusions and like the next day the footsteps just went away. Mm. They found that I had pancreatitis as well. Oh boy. So we stopped the the chemo treatment, the methotrexate, we stopped it. Mm. And this is also a very common treatment for lupus. Yeah, very common. Familiar, yeah. The side effects suck. Yeah. At least for me it did. I lost a lot of hair. Mm. Um I was bedridden for five days out of the seven days, mm. or four days out of the seven days, vomiting, nausea. And, and this is often what you hear about chemo and cancer treatments, yeah, you know? So, yeah. Because it is a toxin that they're using to help kill To stuff help. Yeah, help, quote, help with quote, quotes, air quotes around air it. Quotes. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting one because, I mean, obviously we're getting to the point in the journey where you made a total 180, right? Mm-hmm. And completely changed your your approach to your care but um you know this is something where obviously chemo again like works for some people Mm -hmm. but it's I don't know if you ever hear a story about someone not getting sick from it right right so so and and plus during this time the insurance keeps losing me in the system so I'm supposed to go in for treatments and I can't Mm. Because I'm not in the system. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. And that's for, a lot of extra stress and work absolutely. when you're already chronically ill. Absolutely. It's yeah. a full-time job to fight with the insurance companies. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It really is. Uh, on my drive over here today, mm-hmm. I had a call with a doctor's office about insurance issues. Yep. It's like this is just how we live our lives now. We're fighting with insurance companies. Yeah. yeah. So I feel all of you chronic illness warriors out there who have to deal with that. Um, And so basically her, it wasn't working out with her either. Yeah. And. Well, after the oversight on the and I would have been like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Hate to say it. Sounds like she was really great in other ways, but like, that was a big oversight. And she was totally blaming me for it. She was saying that it was my lupus fog. Oh, right, of course, because it's always the patient's fault. Yeah, it was definitely the lupus fog. Because you forgot to tell her when you gave her all your medical records anyway. Sure, sure thing. And And the thing is... She sounds great. Yeah. And the thing is, like, you know, when you go to those doctor's appointments, I make sure to write everything down on my phone. Yeah. So I don't forget. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because we're also talking like these are like very complicated medical terms. It's like when you have brain fog and, and lupus fog, like these are the things that you have to write it down because you're not going to remember. You're not going to remember. Yeah. Wow. So you make these proactive, you know, you take these proactive steps to make sure that you remember. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so it wasn't working out with her. Um, I still stayed with her for like another year. Why even that? after that? I think because they said that they didn't have another doctor for me or something like that. So you had no other option, really. Yeah, at that point. Wow. And so I just kind of stayed with her. And the thing is, she kind of had history with my mother-in-law. Like, okay. I, the, my mother-in-law is a de- dental hygienist, so okay. she's to clean her teeth. So there was, like, that also. Um, you had to play nice. I had to play nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it can get us in trouble, can it, sometimes? You know, yeah. that's, that's another, like, we were talking right before we started recording about boundaries. Yeah. And it's like, that's a real boundary issue. It's like, you were getting sicker working with this woman, but mm-hmm. you had to play nice for a year. Yeah. Because the system wasn't working for you, and also because mm-hmm. of her relationship to your mother-in-law. It's like, we right. make these choices that make us right. sicker. Right. 
Really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So at that point, they had referred me to a neurologist, Mm -hmm. and they did an MRI because I had... I was starting to get, like, bowel and urinary incontinence mm. um, and all these other neurological issues. Um, and so he did an MRI CAT scan, and they found that I had two benign vascular brain tumors and that I had a microvascular ischemic brain disease, which basically means that I had a stroke. This is unreal. <laughs> So, it, I mean, it's like another nail in the coffin, isn't yeah. it? It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Were you sort of, when you got those diagnoses, were you like, A, okay, that makes sense, but B, oh my God? I was really scared. Yeah. I didn't actually tell people about the brain tumors because I didn't want them to worry. Yeah. My husband knew and my mother knew. Yeah. And I also told my brothers. Um, but I tried to like play it down, mm-hmm. you know? Um, another thing that us chronic illness warriors do is we, we think about other people's feelings yeah. and we don't want them to worry about us. Yeah. We don't want to feel like a burden, you know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. So that was kind of going through my mind and I was really nervous. Um, and did they think that any of this was caused as a side effect of medication or that this was just something completely yeah, unlucky this, really? This is, you know, it's interesting because Anthony talks about how brain tumors can be formed because of EBD. And Anthony is oh, medical, medical medium. medium. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so after that diagnosis, I kept, I was reading a lot of books yeah. on chronic illnesses, lupus and all that stuff. And so on Amazon, the recommendations, you know, like they recommend stuff to you. Yeah. It kept coming up as medical medium, medical medium. Mm. And so even though I was on the methotrexate and and like 30 milligram prednisone, I I couldn't get down. Every time they would wean me down to 25, I'd flare. Mm. And so just trying to find the right medication, putting me on so many different kinds of medication. And luckily at that time... It was like a godsend. The insurance said that they can't cover for this, for the doctor I was seeing. Right. So they put me with a new rheumatologist Mm. doctor and I went to go see him and he is the reason why my life started to turn around. This episode is sponsored by Tonic Vibes. Tonic offers CBD blends that use organic sun-grown hemp flower from their family-run farm in upstate New York. Their original formulations were first developed by Tonic's founder, Brittany Carbone, to help manage her own anxiety and depression. Combining plant-based ingredients like ashwagandha, black seed oil, lemon balm, and passion flower, their soulfully crafted botanicals work synergistically with CBD to restore our body's essential balance. The magic is in the love and intention that goes into their products from seed to shelf. My favorite, Chronic Tonic, a roll-on for aches and pains that I keep in my purse. Go to Tonic Vibes, that's tonicvibes.com, and enter code INVISIBLE at checkout for 15% off. It's interesting because he was kind of, like, I don't know if he really believed me with my symptoms at first, because he was kind of, like, short with me. Right. Um, But then he kind of saw, like, oh, okay, like, she's not faking it. This is real. This is real. I see this paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and he saw how I wanted to heal, how I wanted yeah. to get better. Isn't it interesting, though, how the default is not to believe? Yeah. You know, that the medical community, when they see brain tumors and a stroke and lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and that you're on chemo and prednisone, 
they're looking at you going, oh, no, that can't. There's no way that no one's no one's that unlucky. Right. right? <laughs> right. Oh, man. So, so he kind of continued what my previous doctor was doing, but he was like, we need to get you off prednisone because the P in prednisone stands for poison. Mm. Yeah. So that's interesting that it, it was a rheumatologist who said that to you because a lot of doctors rely on these medications. Yep. So that's... Well, and also because you've been on it for a long time. A long time. Yeah. It's now like almost two years that Just, I was That's a really long on time it. To be yeah. On that. Yeah. For like high dosages. Yeah. So after that, I found Medical Medium May 2017. Okay. Two years ago. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, I'm just going to try it. What else do I have to lose? Like, I tried the Goodbye Lupus protocol. Mm. I tried this other protocol called, like, Thomas DeLauer, which he was all about drinking apple cider vinegar, and it just made me way worse. For, I think for people who have more acid in their stomachs already, it doesn't help. For some people, apple cider vinegar is, like, a miracle cure, right? right? But, right. like, I'm one of those people who I tried it, and I was like, this doesn't do anything for me, you know? But I think it's a 50-50, that one. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Um... So, I mean, I know Medical Medium talks about apple cider vinegar and yeah. how it basically pickles our organs. Mm. So he's like, don't do it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's vinegar. If it's you're drinking vinegar. vinegar, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of with you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was trying all, like, vegan, vegetarian, mm-hmm. fireman's diet, military diet, because I was trying to lose the prednisone weight. Right. You know? And, and like, there, you post photos on your Instagram of, like, the kind of swelling and weight gain that you oh had. Oh my gosh. When you were in the middle of all of this. Oh my goodness. You were a different person. Different person. Like, I mean, and we'll post some of these pictures with your permission on the, sure. the website when we post this episode, but it's like, it is insane the transformation that you've been through. Yeah. And like, just being here sitting with you, looking at you, I'm like, her skin's so clear. She glows. <laughs> you can tell that you have health from the inside out. And oh. that's what this is all about. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So you found Medical Medium. You sort of heeded the call of the universe. And you have a doctor who's telling you that we need to get you off prednisone. Yes. So, and I was really lucky to be switched over to this doctor because I feel like he knows more about nutrition and supplements than other doctors. Mm. You know, he studied in India. Oh, wow. Okay. So I think even then it's maybe different. Well, there's Ayurveda is a huge yes. part of the health system there. And right. Yeah. So, so that, there is that as well. Yeah. So when I got the book, I didn't even buy it at first because I was like, I don't want to commit just yet. Because mm-hmm. all the other ones that I did buy and try failed for me. Sure. It made me flare worse. So then I, I got the book from the library. I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, so much of this kind of makes sense. And mm. so, many, so many of my symptoms are in this book. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a try. So, and at that time, because I was so sick, I was seeing my doctors every month. Mm. So I was seeing my GP, my rheumatologist, my GI doctor, mm-hmm. my uh, cardiologist, mm. and neurologist. Oh God, yeah, because you still have the... God forbid I should forget the heart issues and the the lung issues, too, with the fluid. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I know that that can be related to lupus, too. It is. Which, so I imagine that's what... Mm -hmm. This was before they realized that you had the lupus, and they were like, gee, this is weird. (laughs) Yeah. But actually, it's related to the lupus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Definitely one of the severe um, symptoms of lupus. Yeah. Especially when left untreated. Yeah. And it can kill you. You can die from this. Yep. 
And, you know, it's funny. When I first started with the journey, I, was re- I didn't know anything about lupus. Mm. I didn't, the only time I heard about it was in grad school. I had a friend who had a lupus scare. Like, mm. she went to a doctor because she was getting, like, rashes and stuff. And, um, and that was the first time I heard about it. And I didn't realize how scary it was. Yeah. She was scared, but I didn't understand it until yeah. it actually happened to me. Yeah. Um, she turned out to not have it. It was all fine. Mm-hmm. It was just stress-related. Another, another yeah. piece of information that points to the effect that stress can have on our bodies. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And so when I first read, started reading up on lupus, they were like, yeah, the life expectancy is five years after your diagnosis. Who wrote that? <laughs> I have the books upstairs. I can show you. That is really frightening. Thanks, guys. That's really helpful. I'm going to be great now. For the next five years, I'm just going to live to my fullest. Are you kidding me? People are writing about that? Yeah, it was in the books. And I was freaking out. Yeah, I don't blame you. And I was like, what am I going to do? So that, at that point, I was really trying to do everything and anything. Yeah. Um, But then, you know, going back now to the medical medium. So I, I... Kind of started playing around with it in June. I brought the book to all of my doctors. Mm -hmm. And I said, I really want to try this with my medical treatment. Which is, and this is what I would say to people, right? Like anyone in this chronic illness world, if you're thinking about trying a diet or a protocol, ask your doctor. Mm -hmm. And if you trust your doctor, hopefully they'll give you good advice. So this was so smart that you thought to do that. Yeah. And bring it to your doctors to make sure that this was something that they could help you on the journey with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they were thrilled. They were, um, and it's really interesting because three out of the five doctors are Indian, like Asian Indian. Wow. And so my cardiologist was like, go, do it. Yeah. (laughs) My rheumatologist was like, go, do it. Yeah. Uh, My GI doctor, same. But then my neurologist and my uh, GP, Hmm. they both were like, well, you have anemia. You know, I had anemia for 10 10 years. Hmm. You have, you're pre-diabetic, so we think that you should not do all this fruit and smoothies. And Medical Medium talks about fruit fear in that book, in his first Mm. book, um, which is secrets behind uh, chronic and mystery illnesses and how to finally heal. Mm. So it was that book, and that was the only book he had available at that time. Oh, wow. So I used that book. I started implementing the 28-Day Cleanse. He has a supplement list in there. So I showed the supplement list to all my doctors. And they were like, yes, you can take this and not that because you're on the chemo. Right. So I was really lucky to have that. Mm. And then plus, you know, I also Googled it just to make sure. Sure, yeah. (laughs) You know, like... um, Is this legit? Yeah. Like, or not, not legit, but like, can I take this supplement with methotrexate like you know just kind of double checking right okay so and it's all on google like it'll they'll tell you if you can't do it or not so you know my doctors turned out to be really spot on with it (sighs) so i was like all right i'm just gonna do this i'm gonna do it really slowly yeah because if i throw myself into it i'm most likely gonna flare very badly. <laughs> and also when you throw yourself whole hog into things like that, I think we have more success when we're more gentle with ourselves. Yes. Because there's that that mental component, isn't there, mm-hmm. of like, oh, I'm on a diet. Right. And when we're, we tell ourselves that we're on a diet, we then associate this entire lifestyle change with restriction, which is 
it's meant to be the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is about healing, but that's where taking it slow and being gentle with ourselves is so important, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Super smart. So that's what I started doing. Um, uh, kind of slowly implementing the 28 day cleanse that's in his book. Mm. So the first three weeks I was still bedridden. Right. So I was bedridden this whole time. So we're, you've had an incredible transformation, but obviously it took time. Yeah. I mean, overnight. Two and a half years in bed is no, is no joke. Nope. And, um, and I was using a walker and a cane to get around. My mom had to fly out frequently to come and take care of me for like a month. Wow. You know, over a month she'll be here. And, um, and it was, it was hard on everyone. And I was really, we were really fortunate, my husband and I. Uh, because he was at a job at the time where the HR had, his sister had lupus. Oh, so he wow. like understood wow. what was happening. Mm. And so, you know, my husband would leave early from work because he actually was able to move his hours because he works in technology. So he worked okay. from seven until two. So he was able to care for you. Yeah. So he would come home and then he would take me to my doctor's appointments and really advocate this is great because my next question was going to be like, did you ever find that you needed an advocate in this journey? And it's obviously been your mother and your husband. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And my husband's grandmother. Oh, how sweet. She's like 94, 95 now, but she's like still kicking it. Yeah. But she would accompany me. She would go with me. Wow. Um, to my doctor's appointments. And so, you know, it's just having that support system mm. um, that was really helpful. And... And yet, I still felt so lonely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the thing is like we laugh about it now, but it's like, of course you did. Yeah. Because no one could quite understand what you were going through but you. Right. And it's, of course, as you have been more public about your health experiences, mm-hmm. people have come out of the woodwork, I'm sure, who are like, yep, 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 I had that and that and that, you know. Mm-hmm. And you meet more people. Mm-hmm. But it's until we feel free to talk about these things. Yep. Um, and then there's all the stigma attached and, and how that then affects our mental health. And I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of nodding in this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in terms of, of these advocates that you had mm-hmm. who were helping you, how did that affect your relationships with them? Did it strengthen the relationships? Did, it, did they become more complex and difficult because of it? Or what do you think? It changes. Yeah. Everything is, t- everything is temporary. Yeah. And so it just kind of depends you know, sometimes it would be very difficult with my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was because the medications were making me crazy. And like, she was probably living with you when she was here, too. Right? Yeah. So that's. And she was thing. doing her best. Yeah. She was doing her absolute best. But she was worried about you. I'm and sure. she was worried, and that stress on her, yeah. seeing her, like, seeing me like the way I was. Oh, God. You know, having to, like, help me to go from the bed to the bathroom shower me yeah couldn't bathe myself you know yeah. so there are like these things which is as a parent it's not something that you expect to do for your child beyond a certain age exactly and when your child is a, a fully functioning adult and then all of a sudden yeah can't function can't function yeah so you know and the same thing with my husband mm. you know and i and i really have to say that the medications made me crazy mm. like i can't even recognize who i was then well, when, when everyone sees pictures, they're not going to recognize you literally. I know. <laughs> but, like, also also emotionally and, and figuratively. Yeah. And, yeah. 
you know, everyone has such different experiences and their bodies react so differently. So it's really interesting because you always see studies about the side effects of different drugs and, Mm -hmm. you know, they take a certain percentage of the population or whatever, but, um, nothing's ever going to be clear cut for anyone. You kind of have to try it and see. Experiment with an open mind. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is where sort of the treatment for these, these chronic illnesses, you really realize what a science experiment the whole thing is. It is. Because you can't go to a doctor and have a definitive answer. Yep. On a lot of these treatments, mm-hmm. you just have to make yourself an experiment and be open to trying them. And you certainly have tried everything. I tried everything. Yeah. So I was the scientist. Yep. My body was the lab. Yep. And the things that I was doing was the study. Yeah. <laughs> was the actual Absolutely. research study. Yeah. So, and then... another honorary doctor. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a, a doctorate. Doctorate in, in, in medical medium. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so... Going back to now with the medical medium. Yeah. So by week three, I was still bedridden, but it was only because I was doing it slowly, like eight ounces of celery juice and stuff like that. Right. And doing the, the smoothies. And guys, for those of you who don't know, medical medium is the celery juice guy. Yeah. Right? And for some people, celery juice is a game changer. Game changer. Yeah. And it certainly was for you. It was for me. Yeah. And so by week four, mm. I got out of bed. Just one morning. On your own? On my own. I got out of bed and I said, I'm going to clean the master bedroom today. (laughs) That's a big undertaking. (laughs) I I wasn't able to do it for the last two and a half years. So suddenly cleaning gives us joy. (laughs) Yeah. And so I actually lifted the queen mattress. What? And I flipped it on my own. So you went from not being able to bathe yourself. Yep. To flipping a queen mattress. Lifting the box spring and vacuuming underneath the box spring. This cleaning job was no joke. No joke. I did (laughs) a deep clean of our bedroom and I felt amazing. Yeah. So then it just kept getting better and better after that point. Like I wasn't like completely, yay, I'm healed. But I had more energy all of a sudden. Hmm. And, um, And then six weeks... Now, from the starting point, Mm. six weeks later, I got my blood work done. And then, um, so that's in August, right? Mm -hmm. Mid-August. And then in uh, end of September, I saw my rheumatologist. Mm. And that's when I got my blood work results. Okay. And turns out that I was no more anemic. Mm. Six weeks on this. Yeah. No more anemia. No more prediabetes. Even with all the fruit. Yes, even with all the fruit. Mm-hmm. No more prediabetes. Um, my cholesterol was lowered. My white blood cell count, which was always between 17 to 22,000, 24,000. It was mm. always super high. Yeah. Was lowered to 12,000. Wow. This is significant. Six weeks. Yeah. So, and then um, my pancreas enzymes and my liver enzymes also went down. Wow. So my doctor was like, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Well, what specifically, so this leads me to the question, what specifically were you doing within the protocol at this point? Were you on a completely vegan diet? Was it? No. Okay. So I was still eating meat Mm -hmm. because medical medium says it's okay to eat organic chicken, Mm -hmm. organic turkey, organic beef. Yeah. Just not all of the time. Right. You know? Um, And he said, 
certain fish is okay, like wild-caught salmon mm-hmm. or small fish like anchovies, sardines, mackerel. Yeah. But everything else usually has mercury, uh, mercury heavy metals in it. Yeah. So, um, and I stopped eating pork. Right. Because pork um, really binds up your liver. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it doesn't allow the liver to process through the blood. Mm. It takes a really long time, like 15 hours, for it to process. Wow. So if you eat pork for dinner, and then you eat bacon in the morning for breakfast, you're just not allowing your your body to process the meat that you're eating, so it just gets overloaded. Yeah. So... <clears throat> So I, I cut out pork, but I was still eating organic chicken every now and then, organic turkey every now and then, organic beef every now and then. Mm. Um, and then I was also doing um, just a lot of the things on the 28-day cleanse, like the spinach soup, the mm-hmm. smoothie. You still do this stuff. I do. Yeah, I still do. And you post do. about it, yeah. Yeah. Um, Smoothies, yeah. Yeah, I do the wild blueberry smoothie. I still do it every day. Mm. And then... Um, what else was I doing? Oh, um, there's a, a PDF that I found that he has. Mm. You, you have to really search for it because mm. it's not on his blog. Maybe we'll link to it on the episode page. Yeah. So he has one for EBV, which is for a lot of the autoimmune diseases that we have. Mm-hmm. And he has one for cancer as well. Ah. Yeah. So I basically took that and applied it to my health I tried different recipes like the easier ones mm. so I was eating a lot of asparagus leafy greens yeah um nacho potatoes like one of my favorite recipes. <laughs> I've seen that on your on oh, your Instagram as well so good so good yeah so you know just incorporating more of the healing foods um and I would still have gluten every now and then just to help wean off sure um, and then I have like corn tortillas sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, just to help wean off. I don't think any of this, it's never a perfect science, yeah. is it? It's like you kind of, it's again, that thing about being gentle with ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. So this was my way of being gentle with myself. Mm-hmm. So still enjoying some of those foods, the no foods, he calls it. Yeah. Um, which is the foods that you're supposed to avoid because they feed the virus in your, in your body. Um, or, um, I would enjoy the healing foods. So... It was just kind of like a balance between mm-hmm. those two. So I never got to feel those detox symptoms that many other people are experiencing right. by going all in. Right. And when you go all in, you get burnt out by it. Sure. Uh, you feel the restriction you thing. Feel, There's a mental health aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when you read his book, especially in his first book, um, he tells you exactly how to finally heal. Mm. It's like chapter 17 to 23 or something like that. And he, you know, he talks about the gut health. He talks about um, even soul healing techniques. Mm-hmm. Which has certainly been a part of your healing too, hasn't Huge it? part. Yeah. That's when I started incorporating it, like meditation, Reiki. And now you've become an instructor yeah. in meditation and Reiki. So you're not just incorporating them as a as a user of these experiences, but you've also been certified to instruct. Which yes. Is, so it's total life and career change. Yes, too. total. Yeah. Total. So... So, and, and just kind of going back to now the journey. Um, so while I was doing that, you know, for the first three months, um, I did the walk to end lupus. So this was right after my doctor's visit. It was like literally three days later. I asked my doctor, can I do the walk to end lupus? And he's like, yeah, go do it. So I did it. Like it's a mile and a half. We actually took the Metro down with, with 
my husband and his and his parents. So keeping in mind that like a few months before you couldn't bathe yourself. Like, yeah. Let's just reiterate that. Yes. Yeah. And so I did the whole walk mm. by myself wow. with no cane, no walker. Wow. And then um, stuff happened. Okay. My husband lost his job. Mm. Uh, he got laid off. Mm. And then, um, you know, just drama in both sides of the family. Mm-hmm. Led to a flare-up for me. Okay. Went back into the hospital. And they this time they found rheumatoid arthritis right. in my chest and spine via well, x-ray. So this is interesting because often we hear about lupus, right? That, mm-hmm. like, that lupus and rheumatoid arthritis often come together or one is confused for the other because yes. the symptoms can be so similar. Mm-hmm. So you found that you have both. Yes. Mm. So then it was like starting all over again. Mm-hmm. And going back to the drawing board. But then now this time really paying attention to what I need to eat to heal my RA as well. Right. So it's brain tumors, brain disease, like... uh, Autoimmune. Oh, yeah. Got lupus and the RA. Yeah. So I I did all my research with the medical medium stuff. I listened to his podcast on it. Mm -hmm. um, Read up on on his blog. Um, And then at that point, life-changing foods came out. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I started doing the life-changing foods, um, incorporating the, the information in that hmm. to heal my brain tumors and all that other stuff. Wow. And so, yeah, so I slowly started incorporating more supplements, mm-hmm. um, more healing foods, and then I eventually did go raw mm-hmm. doing the 28-day. Okay. And I then... Mean, that was a permanent change or <clears throat> it was just on the 28-day? Uh, it was for a few months. Okay. And then I was like... I don't need it anymore. Mm. So I'm going to go back to, you know, eating meat again. Yeah. Um, and certain other things. So in the process of all this, you're starting to hear your body more too. Exactly. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Were you journaling about all this stuff while you were doing it too? Mm-hmm. Yes, you were really I journaled paying attention. It. I journaled it. Um, I was doing a lot more meditation. Mm-hmm. I was reading a lot of Hay House books as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, you know, just kind of now... Um, doing more of an emotional journey, Mm -hmm. forgiveness, learning more about kindness towards myself Mm -hmm. and kindness is really the gateway to healing. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually, I'm writing a book about it. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great. Well, it's about time you wrote a book. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be excited. When when that comes out, we'll tell everyone. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, it's basically about the whole process, how you have to release first mm-hmm. before you it can even restore and renew your health well that you have to heal your body but you also have to heal the stuff that's toxic and emotionally toxic yes. that we hold on to because that stuff it's it's when you hear you're hurting yourself more than you're hurting other people when you mm-hmm. hold on to grudges and yes. things like that yes you know that's where that kindness to oneself mm-hmm. and the forgiveness really come in absolutely yeah and so a lot of people just want to skip the release part. Mm. I wanted to skip the release part. It's not easy work. I didn't know that I really had to go through it. Mm. But you, you know, in order to heal, you have to go through the releasing aspect, releasing the foods that no longer serve you, mm-hmm. you know, releasing toxic relationships that no yeah. longer serve you, learning about boundaries that, mm-hmm. you know, that's more restoring. But um, when you're when you're learning to release... And you're able to let go anything and everything that no longer serves you. 
then you can actually start to restore. Mm. And then during that restore process, you know, you can use Reiki. You can even use Reiki to release as well. Mm. That helps to release. Breath work is great to release. Meditation. Mm. Meditation is also great for restoring and renewing. Mm. Um, And so you kind of just find what healing modalities work for you. You know, for some people, they may need a more hands-on approach. Like there's a thing called touch therapy Mm. or emotional coat therapy. Um, And so basically what that does is through certain touches on the body, so almost it like releases. So that almost pain. like an acupuncture, but through touch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so yeah, so there's just all these different things that that one can do. Um, going out in nature. Yeah. Being in nature, hearing birds sing, being with the trees, going to the beach, watching the waves. It sounds so simple, but it's so important. So important. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So why don't you tell us, I mean, we sort of, we sort of talked about this a little bit, but like a typical day then Mm -hmm. versus a typical day now. (laughs) (laughs) What, what is the contrast there? (laughs) I suppose one was in bed yeah, and now we're up and about and working and living and now I'm working. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I honestly, when I started, first started this journey, I had no expectations. Yeah. I just, I, I stuck with it because it was working. Mm-hmm. And then, and it's really funny because halfway through, I remember complaining to my husband, like, I'm not getting better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, comparing like you're actually out of bed and you're making dinner yeah. and you're making lunch and you know you're making me lunch for work and and all this other stuff and so and it's really interesting because as I was getting better my husband was getting sick sicker mm. wow and he didn't adapt any of the medical medium stuff until he actually had to right fair enough yeah and so because you know he was laid off October 2017 like mm. I said earlier um, should say he's working again now. He's working, yeah. He's got a great job now, yep. and he's so super grateful. Yeah. But he was out of work for over a year, mm. and and during that year, he had a heart attack, and he didn't know. Wow. He had all these gut issues, and they found out that he had diverticulitis and diverticulosis mm. in a diseased colon, which was like a congenital birth defect. Wow. So because he was on Cobra and the doctor was like, why don't we just take out the disease colon now so that you don't have to deal with it later on in life? They just took it out. Yeah. So they did surgery. That was in June. And they did surgery. But then after the surgery, the hospital gave him chicken. His sutures ruptured. Mm. The nurse that was supposed to take care of him was missing for four hours that night. Oh boy. So he was going into like sepsis shock kind of a thing. Mm. And and then um, the very next day they squeezed him in for an emergency surgery and they put in a colostomy bag. Right. So he has a stoma now. Yeah. Yeah. So he had a stoma. It was like, I don't know, what would you say how big this is? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the size of a pancake? A small pancake? Yeah, like a silver dollar pancake. Yeah. Yeah. That's like an American silver dollar yeah, pancake. Yeah. Because a silver dollar is much smaller yeah, than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so he... Or like the was, size of an apple. It looks like Yeah, an apple. like yeah. an apple size. Mm-hmm. So he had that, um, and the home care nurse came out twice a week to see him. And 
as soon as he came home, I was like celery juice, yeah, lemon water with supplements, green juice. You know, we cut out all the bad stuff, dairy, eggs, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then... Because um, you had to be more extreme with your approach with him because he got sick so suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, aloe water. Yeah. So we did those things for his gut health. Mm. And his stoma healed to like a little tiny marble mm. size um, within two and a half weeks. What? And the nurse... <laughs> oh my God. The nurse was like, I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. Let me write down... This book that you're talking about. Because yeah. it's funny, I brought it up the first day she came. I was like, I healed, I'm healing my lupus at RA with all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. And brain tumors and yada, yada, yada. Speaking of which, did you ever have the brain tumors removed? Oh, I'm going to get to that. Okay, cool. Yeah, because we're on, we're on a time. I mean, I know right the answer because yeah, I follow yeah. you on Instagram, but I'm one yeah. of listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that was June, right? So then for two months he was doing that, but then at the end of July, mm. We got into a car accident. This episode is sponsored by Ember Wave, the intelligent bracelet that helps control how you experience temperature. I'm heat sensitive, and this device has been a lifesaver. Using patented technology, it cools or warms the temperature-sensitive skin on your wrist, creating a natural response in your body and mind that helps you thermally adjust in minutes. It was selected by Time Magazine as one of 2018's best inventions. For those of you with mounting medical costs to consider, the team at Ember offer a payment plan in partnership with a firm. And because you listen to Uninvisible, they are offering you $50 off. Go to emberlabs.com slash invisible. That's E-M-B-R labs.com and experience personal thermal wellness on a whole new level with me. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com and all over the social media world at uninvisiblepod. We love your feedback and suggestions, so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions, ideas for topics to cover in future episodes, or just want to say hello. We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.